getting involved with the young professionals and then showing that your association is relevant and timely and connects with them can really take that relationship to the next level that they know they can come to your association and get, say, career resources or mentorship programs or certifications. That is so important and just vital in staying relevant to what their needs are in their profession. We'll be talking a lot about relevancy, community, and making connections with our guests today. Welcome to VSAE Connections, an original podcast series focused on the interconnectivity of Virginia's association community produced by the Virginia Society of Association Executives. I'm Colby Hort, and I'm here with my colleague and co-host, Frank Humada. Hey, Frank. Hey, Colby. So, Frank, in this episode, we're going to explore how associations are staying relevant by adapting to new challenges and opportunities. And there's really no mistake that they serve as vital conduits, bringing together professionals, experts, and enthusiasts from diverse backgrounds, fostering collaboration, new ideas, and innovation. That's right, Colby, but staying relevant is just one part of the equation. You know, associations are also instrumental in building connections that transcend boundaries. And you know, as they foster networking opportunities, professionals find a supportive community where they can exchange knowledge, best practices, and even collaborate on groundbreaking projects. Yeah, I think this episode has it all. And we'll even sprinkle in some information about how associations prove to be invaluable resources in times of crisis. Again, adding to their overall relevancy, whether it's a global pandemic, a natural disaster, or an economic downturn, associations tend to step up to the plate, providing the guidance and support their members or their industries need. So who do we have on the podcast today? We're chatting with Jennifer Watson, CAE and Membership Manager for the Society of American Foresters. After 25 years of working in the nonprofit field, Jennifer's diverse background brings a unique perspective and skill set. She's passionate about establishing connections between organizations and those who can either support the mission or receive its services. She believes that connecting target audiences with information through various platforms, both in person and online, we are cultivating a more authentic and engaged community. Yeah, this should be a great conversation. So let's connect with Jennifer Watson. Welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. Hi, thank you. Well, thanks for being here. VSAE Connections is all about learning about members of associations, hearing their stories, hearing their career journeys. So we'd like to start by hearing your career journey. What led you to the association world? Let's see here. Out of college, I was looking to do something that was giving back to the community. And so I really gravitated towards nonprofits. And I, I started off by being the assistant director of alumni engagement at my local university, where my alma mater, where I graduated from. At the University of Mary Washington. From that experience, I really loved connecting alumni to the university and the university to alumni. And I really loved the drive in working with connections. And so everything that I've done since then has really been to foster that sense between the association or the society and then the members that they're trying to serve. Excellent. And, and how long have you been in the association space again? Over 25 years now. Okay. So I'm, I'm sure during that time, you've, you've seen a lot of changes. You know, your career is kind of centered on membership, this acquisition and retaining of members for associations or, or nonprofits. But in those 25 years, what are some of the most significant changes you've seen in membership during the course of the career? 
Oh, sure. Yes. So what I've really noticed is that associations must stay relevant to the needs of their members, especially when it comes to informing them about what is happening in their profession or their industry. And I'll give you an example of something that I've seen just recently, at least with the Society of American Foresters. The profession of forestry started to take hold in the U.S. back in the 1800s, late 1800s, which then led to the formation of the Society of American Foresters in 1900. So we're actually coming up on our 125th anniversary, which is fantastic for an association to still be going strong and relevant to today. So three years ago, SAF conducted a massive membership survey, which we know as a, with association professionals, getting that feedback, surveying your members, it's huge. Well, SAF did that three years ago. And as a result, one area that came to light was that we really need to revamp our membership structure. It was a little confusing. And if you could be a member or not be a member, a little bit of that was not quite clear. And we also had different membership structures going on. So there was also a need to provide more clarity about our memberships and more importantly, to allow for greater inclusion of the forestry profession engaged and engagement in SAF. So this summer, SAF members approved a bylaws amendment for the new membership structure, which is exciting stuff. Um, this is huge. So SAF now offers affiliate and international memberships. And with everything that is happening right now in forestry, especially on the global level, it's really important for SAF to share its educational and training resources with the entire forestry sector, not just here in the U.S. This is just huge as far as it comes to SAF being an American, you know, for 125 years being an American forestry professional association. So being able to now offer this on the global community is wonderful. And as SAF adjusted its traditional membership style, their structure to be more inclusive, and then therefore made an even larger positive impact in the fields of forestry and natural resources management, which is fantastic. How do you think that international expansion is going to impact the association as a whole? Sure. I mean, getting the information out on a global scale, you know, international members can now access everything that SAF has to offer, white papers, best practices. Uh, working groups where they can to join in on the discussion about different things within forestry and natural resources. That impact can then spread the mission of what SAF is all about on a much larger scale. And it also brings perspectives of what's going on on the international level to SAF and gives them exposure to what's happening on a larger scale rather than just what's happening in the U.S. Gives you, definitely gives you the voice of the entire industry and not just contained to the borders here in, in North America. So that's that's awesome. That's a great move. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, associations often rally their communities when the need arises and the side of American foresters is no different. In your opinion, what's the role of association when it comes to crisis management or community organizing of its members? So in addition to making a core adjustments, like we did at SAF with the membership structure, it's very important to also stick to the mission. No matter what, stick to the mission. You can navigate through turbulent waters of crisis if you stick with that rather than get personal opinions or whoever's maybe on your board that's putting in a personal tie to a certain topic or industry or side, political side or anything like that. So for example, like the mission of SAF is to advance sustainable management of forest resources through science, education, technology and providing professional excellence while ensuring the continued health, integrity, and use of forests to benefit society. So 
associations really need to provide that education for its members. You know, resources such as articles, white papers, you know, webinars, blogs, <laughs> training at events, you know, things like that. You can provide that information and that education. Just don't veer away from the mission. And it helps you stay laser focused on that mission and cuts out the noise. Keep members informed about the sector, what's happening in their profession, providing the resources that are timely, maybe not old news, but really what's happening and what the future looks like for the profession and what they're going through. For one example, SAF is working to offer brand new professional credential in urban forestry, which is brand new for SAF. I don't know if you know this, but here's a little forestry tidbit of information. Over 50% of the world's population now lives in urban areas. This is according to the WHO, and that number will continue to grow. Away from green fields, mountains, and grasslands, because of the city centers and massive networks of paved surfaces, urban neighborhoods can run about 10 degrees uh, warmer in, than in compared to rural setting areas. So there's a great need for urban forestry and awareness, and SAF is meeting these needs by offering this new certification. You touched up on it on a little bit in your last response. You know, in what ways can associations leverage their collective resources and expertise to support member organizations during a time of crisis? And then what really are some of the key benefits of such collaborative initiatives? Sure. They can provide opportunities for members that foster connection with each other and can contribute to the discussion, especially to be inclusive of all member types is important. For example, at SAF, we have an online community where members can gather, discuss current issues, develop education programs, lead conversations on research, studies, policy, and more. We also host an annual convention, which features over 250 sessions that cover all areas of the natural resource fields. Speakers include professors, PhD students, presenters. We even have a student quiz bowl, which is where universities compete against each other for, you know, bragging rights. There's a special networking session specifically for young professionals and so much more. So it really gets everybody to the table discussing things and connecting. The benefits of this connection is really win-win for associations. It's a win for the members because they find camaraderie with their peers or maybe their mentors. In addition to the education and awareness on what's happening in the profession, and then it's also a win for associations because it reinforces the association's member value proposition, which then keeps members truly engaged and coming back year after year. There was a lot of great things you just said. Connecting members is extremely important. Connecting leads to mentorship. Connecting leads to networking opportunities. Connecting leads to a successful trade show or, or event. But there's one element of this connecting that you mentioned, that's these young professionals that you're, you're getting more involved with your association. Why is it important to get young professionals exposed to the association world as they're entering the profession? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's huge. And it, and it starts, at least for SAF, it starts even at the student level, getting those students involved in their careers, involved in, in their education. We have an accreditation program. And so Students have access to resources and things that have really helped shape what they're learning, what they're being exposed to. Different areas like urban forestry and civiculture and other areas and of natural resources. So getting them involved right from the beginning 
and then continuing that journey with them throughout their young professional life, it really helps solidify that connection that SAF is there for them through every step of their journey, and especially, you know, in forestry or, or with whatever association that you're at. Getting involved with the young professionals and then showing that your association is relevant and timely and connects with them can really take that relationship to the next level that they know they can come to your association and get, say, career resources or mentorship programs or certifications. That is so important and just vital in staying relevant to what their needs are in their profession. And then continuing that journey on to their well-established career and then continuing even on beyond that to say they're retired. What can they then give back to their association? And so that gives them a volunteer experience. It helps keep them relevant, find out what new practices are for the young professionals or what they're doing. And then also giving those retirees an opportunity to pay it forward. There's so much that can be gained from our retired populations that they can pass on that information and do mentorship programs. It's so vital to just to keep that cycle going for everywhere from student through retired professional and beyond. It's, it's always a way to stay relevant for the membership because everybody is in a different stage in their life. And then also what you get out of the program or the, the membership just changes as you know as you age and as your life changes and continues. So that life cycle of a membership is just vital, both for the member themselves, but then also for the association. Yeah, this is relevancy, you know, that obviously gets these young professionals involved through that entire journey that you're talking about, but it also starts to mold them into the future leaders of the association. And you've seen 25 years worth of association leadership. So I want to ask you, in your opinion, what makes a good leader or in particular, a good association leader? Sure. That's a great question. I would say with my experience, communication with staff and not just say a select person or, or just your upper level group of, of staff, but the entire team. As a leader, it's important to keep your team informed on the direction of the association and what's, you know, what's in development, what's coming down the pipe, what's working or what's not working. When you keep all of your staff informed and in the loop, they can really rally behind the direction of the leader and the association. They can also be the leader's advocate. They can help them keep abreast of any potential developments, such as frontline membership staff or on the phones daily with members. They can keep an ear out for any positive or negative trends and inform that back to the leader and the leadership. A leader will build trust when they keep all staff in the loop on the big picture. And in my time working, I, I've worked with leaders from both large and small associations who are both inclusive communicators with their staff. Those that were very inclusive communicators earned the respect of their staff and then were also very, uh, I would say, very successful at what they do. Jennifer, I want to give our, our listeners a chance and learn a little bit more about you. So, you know, many of us picked up new hobbies during the pandemic. What was one of yours? Sure. Well, I love the outdoors. So, of course, working with the Society of American Foresters helps with that. Um, I, I, you know, I love hiking and, you know, camping, beaching, gardening, and even like, you know, Jeep off-road trails, things like that. You name it. But in 2020, my family was supposed to go on this really long-awaited grand trip to na multiple national parks, you know, like, you know, National Lampoon's kind of road trip out west. 
And so we were supposed to see Yellowstone, the Tetons, Moab, the Grand Canyon, you name it. And when the world kind of came to a halt and everybody stayed home and didn't go anywhere, um, we ended up, you know, obviously having to postpone that trip because a lot of the parks weren't, weren't open or had limited openings. So um, we ended up learning the ultimate social distancing activity, which was sailing. My husband grew up in Long Island, New York, and he grew up sailing. And so we ended up buying a, a 1984 25-foot Catalina sailboat. And we sail out of the Colonial Beach area. And he taught our two boys how to sail and myself. So we're learning how to sail still four years later, still still trying to figure out. You're, I think you're always going to learn how to sail. It's always changing. But my oldest son loved it so much being on the water that he actually ended up enlisting in the U.S. Coast Guard. So, yeah, you know, we love, uh, we're now a sailing family. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, sailing is probably the best answer I've heard to that question. So, <laughs> congrats <laughs> there. You, you mentioned you're, you're an avid hiker. What's the best trail in Virginia? Ooh, you know, Virginia has so many great trails, um, so many great state and federal parks. I really like the Shenandoah National Park, the White Oak Canyon Trail. That trail, you see a little bit of everything. You see waterfalls, switchbacks, scenic views. You're climbing over rocks and it, it's just fantastic. And what's great about it too is that you can, you know, hit the Graves Mountain Farms Lodge and get, you know, go apple picking or pick up, you know, bushels of fresh apples on your way up the mountain. And then when you're done, you can hit one of the local wineries on your way back out of the mountain area. So it's, uh, yeah, I highly recommend the Shenandoah National Park. Wow. Well, if we're talking outside of Virginia and, you know, specifically state parks, What's one that's a must-see for our listeners? Uh, you know, I'm going to actually go with a national park. So we did finally make it to Yellowstone National Park, and it was hands down, I think, the most epic park that we've ever been to. It was just amazing. Every American should go see Yellowstone. Everything from how it was formed, the history of it becoming a park, the wildlife that's there, the landscape, it really, truly is a national treasure. Highly recommend Yellowstone. That's great. Uh, switching gears just a little bit as we kind of start wrapping up our conversation. You know, you're a member of VSAE. Talk about community and, and connecting. That's certainly something that our organization certainly does. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's important for association execs to become involved with an organization like VSAE? Oh, there's so many reasons. You know, Connecting with local associations who are battling the same things. I mean, I mean, honestly, you know, the same crisis management, the same, you know, dealing with membership issues and well, from the after the pandemic and how things have changed. Association management is constantly evolving and changing because people are constantly evolving and changing. And so how you connect, why you connect, that's got to stay relevant. And so together by being in community with other associations, you can learn more about best practices, what works and what hasn't worked. You know, you can avoid pitfalls by hearing what other associations are doing to stay relevant and stay active in the association world with their members. And it truly is a, a learning experience. Basically, if you're in nonprofits, you're, you're trying to be a part of the greater good for society. And so by bonding together, it only can help make you even more successful. Well, Jennifer, we thank you for your insights. I think 
It's your your passion to do good and to bring people together that really has allowed you to thrive in this association space. So again, we appreciate the insights. We appreciate your candidness. So thank you for being a part of this today. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of VSAE Connections. Join us each month as we continue our conversations with VSAE members about life, work, and the communities they serve. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on behalf of VSAE, I'm Colby Horton with Frank Humata. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.